I was thinking about, um, have you ever done one of those things where you wake up in the middle of the night and get ready for the day like it's the actual morning? Okay, Vivian has. So I remember back when I was in college, uh, I used to get up, I had a 6 a.m., no, I had a 7.30 class, which was pretty ungodly for a Bible college, but I had a 7.30 class, and I'd get up and um, get breakfast and get going. So I'd, I'd set my alarm for 6 a.m., so it was before the sun came up. So there's one day I remember I woke up, and I don't remember like if my alarm went off or I just kind of woke up, and I got going, I went, I think I hit the showers, I got dressed, and I'm sitting there uh, because I was at Bible college, and uh, you read the Bible every day, that's what you're supposed to do. So I'm sitting there like reading the Bible, just like kind of like doing one of these things, you know, trying to focus on whatever I was reading, and then praying, I'm just kind of like, dear God, uh, you know, all that, and I get my, you know, I get my, because uh, we were in Bible college, I had to wear a suit, I had to wear a tie, believe it or not. I got my tie on, buttoned up shirt, get my bag, walk out the door, and then like I hear, and I'm like, I look back and I realize it's the middle of the night, and not only had I just walked out the dorm and set off the alarm, but I just locked myself out because it was the middle of the night. So it's pretty embarrassing. Uh, I'm standing there, and the security comes, I'm like, hey, I just... I just did this, and uh, they're like, they obviously thought I was not okay in the head, which, you know, still might be true, um, but I went back to bed, and I woke up, and <laughs> I think I woke up like at seven and ran out the door to my class or something like that, but uh, I was waking up and getting my devotions done because that was a big part of uh, life as a, as a Bible college, it was doing your daily devotions. Now, um, when I was in high school, I was always kind of inconsistent on uh, doing my devotions. But when I got to Bible college, I knew I had to step my game up and uh, start doing my daily devotions. Now, daily devotions generally refer to, at least in my context, where you'd, you'd have like, like a passage of scripture you'd read, or sometimes like there's little like devotional books you'd have. The one I grew up reading was Our Daily Bread. So it was about yeah, this big, say. It had this little paragraph, a little scripture verse with it, and then, you know, Brandon, it sounds like you're familiar, and then you, you try to, like, say a prayer afterwards. Um, so, um, because I was trying to be a good Christian and do all that, like, I was pr- trying to be really consistent in doing these daily devotions, even if it meant, you know, doing them in the middle of the night, apparently. Um, but, you know, I was so, uh, I was so steeped in, in Christian culture, and you know, I went to a, a Christian school, uh, actually all 20 years of my uh, educational experience, uh, all but a few, like one semester of them were at a Christian school, if you'd believe it or not, from kindergarten all the way through postgraduate. Uh, I spent like a semester and a half at a state school doing religious studies, but that's another story. Um, so I, you know, I went to church all the time. My dad was a pastor when I was a kid, and then later in my teenage years. So I was steeped in Christian Christian culture. And um, for as much as Christian culture was a part of me and who I was growing up and trying to be spiritual, there was a very strict definition of what it meant to be spiritual within my at least cultural understanding of what I was taught. Reading the Bible was good. Praying was good. 
and going to church was good. And that was kind of about it. You know, some of the, some of the other things we think about as spiritual practices today are, are sometimes called spiritual practices, like meditation, not, not, not good what I was taught. Finding God in nature, nope, you're supposed to be in church. And then self-acceptance, absolutely not. Don't accept yourself. Um, but the epitome then of what it meant to be a, a spiritual person was these daily devotions. And sometimes people call it quiet time, time alone with God. The basic premise was the same, that every good Christian spent time alone with God, you know, doing these daily devotions. And uh, like I said, I, I thought I was doing pretty good at college when I was doing these, and then one summer I went and worked for this church summer camp, <laughs> and uh, I remember this other kid uh, who was working for the camp, and he was from Moody. Has anyone ever heard of Moody Bible College? Moody's like, kind of like evangelical world. That's like the, the pinnacle of like, you're the real spiritual Christian. People go to Moody. Um, so he was from Moody, and I remember like each morning, I would get up and go do my run, and he would be sitting there doing his devotions with this huge Bible study book and just this other like, um, so it was kind of like, <laughs> I felt guilty, like I'm here getting up to do my run, and he's sitting here doing his devotions, uh, because to me, I wanted to keep this running streak I had alive of like running uh, I think it was like 465 days in a row. Uh, so I kind of felt guilty about that. And I got, I got to be pretty good about it. Um, even carrying through this, this practice through my mid-20s. But often when I'd, uh, I'd, I'd read the paragraph or whatever in the daily bread, or I'd read like a section of scripture, I kind of just found myself sitting there like, okay, now what? That was nice. Kind of unsure what to do with it then. And, um, you know, there was, this, there was this underlying assumption that, you know, a good spiritual Christian should be able to just open up the Bible, you know, kind of find a passage, read it, and then, like, receive a message from God. And for me, I couldn't, or I didn't, or I don't know. Um, and it seemed like that meant that there was something wrong with me anyway. Because uh, I'd read a Bible verse, I'd read the paragraph that went along with it, but just like nothing would click. And I remember um, one evening reading some stuff, I was just kind of like lost, and I emailed uh, a friend from college, and I said, hey, like, I'm, I'm doing devotions, and like, nothing is really clicking for me. And I said, do you feel like you're getting, like, do you feel like you're connecting with God each and every time, like, you do these things? And he replied back, like, yeah. I was like, oh. So it's kind of a bummer for me. And I, I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was that, like, was like the, the nail in the coffin for me, or if it was just like, you know, the proverbial, like, uh, you know, straw that broke the camel's back. But I was like, I was just like convinced that I was not spiritual enough. And from roughly that point on, I stopped praying for like 10 years. This is a true story. Uh, now, that's not to say I didn't pray at all. You know, like, I'd pray for meals, obviously, uh, you know, pray in church occasionally, but really, like, as, a, as a devotional practice, we might say, I like, just went 10 years without praying at all, because for some reason, you know, I just, I, something felt like I was the problem, like I wasn't spiritual enough, like, especially in Bible college, I'd see uh, classmates just, like, engrossed in prayer, I'd see them in, like, the 
the worship space, just like, you know, like doing this while they're singing. I've never been a, I've, I've wondered, like, I was going to ask Paul, like, should I be more, like, engaged up here <laughs> just to be a good example? But I've never been, like, that kind of, like, uh, what's the, um, what, what, what am I trying to say? But, you know, really uh, charismatic. Thank you. I've never been a really charismatic, worshipful singer. But I'd see these people just, like, you know, just, like, oh, like, totally engaged. And I was just like, man, what is wrong with me? Um, and, and then um, even, I remember, I think it was, like, my junior year, uh, like several of my friends were like, hey, God is calling us to be missionary to Ethiopia. And I was like, God, do you want me to be in a missionary to Ethiopia? And I was, just, I was trying to convince myself that God wanted me to be a missionary to Ethiopia. And uh, it's funny because I think it was my senior year of college, uh, one of my, my college roommate, who actually went to a couple years to be a missionary to Ethiopia, he organized a little short-term mission trip to Ethiopia during Christmas break, and he was like, Lauren, you should come. And conveniently enough, uh, my parents were also organizing a trip to Disney World that same time period. And my mom was like, why don't you just wait for Ethiopia? And it's probably, it's probably the, it sounds terrible now, like in, uh, in hindsight saying I went to, I went to Disney World instead of going on a mission trip to Ethiopia, uh, but it's probably better because probably if I would have gone, I would have tried to convince myself that that was what I was supposed to do, even though I don't think it was. I think it was, it was me trying to fit into this box of what I was supposed to be rather than being who God had called me to be. Um, now, the funny thing is about this, this Ethiopia thing is when, when, I, uh, when I first talked to Karina uh, about dating again in Bible college, the, the pastors were really, really hard on this. They're like, you cannot let your woman pull you down. Like, you cannot let your woman, uh, uh, what was the word we say, like, lose your ministry. Because he's like, I've seen so many wives who are married to pastors, and they pull them out of ministry because they're not devoted to it. <laughs> and it's too bad Karina's not here today, because I can throw her, I'll have to throw her under the bus without her being here. Um, but I said to Karina, I said, I, I called her on the phone. It's like, like I, needed, I needed to ask you this. Are you willing to be a missionary to Ethiopia? And what do you think she said? She said yes, but she let her admit that she was lying. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I was trying so hard to meet these, what I, these expectations of what it meant to be spiritual. And getting that email back from my friend was just confirmation in my mind that I was not spiritual enough. You know, that message of being told we're not spiritual enough, whether it be, uh, or whether we're being told we're not good enough, whether it be because of our body, our biology, or our background, has a way of sabotaging ourselves from the inside out. And we begin to believe and accept for ourselves that message that we're force-fed from the outside, that we're not good enough, we're not attractive enough, we're not smart enough, whatever. But honestly, I think the worst message we can get is that we're not spiritual enough. To me, there's something incredibly damaging about being told that God doesn't think you're good enough. I mean, God, the creator of the universe, the ground of all being, the sustainer of all it is, saying we're not enough, we're not good enough, and really, we can never be good enough. 
We're just sort of stuck forever on this treadmill of ineptitude, sometimes hanging on for dear life. And, do, and can we, I think sometimes it really does feel like we're hanging on for dear life on this treadmill of life. And we should, told we should just be thankful because God doesn't let us fly off into oblivion. It's like we're just forever stained, forever tarnished, forever not good enough. The funny thing is, is I don't think that's the message that Jesus wants us to get. So this week we're continuing on in our series about doubt. And we're talking today about some of the doubts and uncertainty we get and can weigh on us as followers of Jesus. Today we're exploring the question, what if I'm not spiritual enough? So I want to look at a familiar passage we might all know called the Sermon on the Mount, or perhaps you've heard it called the, the Beatitudes. And it's, it, the background is Jesus is traveling throughout his community, and there's a big crowd following him, and he stops, and uh, the text says that he gets on a mountain, probably a hill in our, in our context, but he, gets, he begins teaching and preaching these people to these people. And uh, let's, let's read the passage, actually. So we're in Matthew chapter 5. Uh, I have it here on the screen if you'd like to follow along, or like I said, Matthew 5, uh, if, you, if you'd like to follow along in your Bible here. Let me find it. So Matthew 5, verse 1 says, When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain and he sat down. His disciples came to him, then began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs, excuse me, is the kingdom of heaven. So there's, there's one line that stands out to me uh, from that text, and you know, the obvious teaching of that text is that Jesus is talking about blessedness. He's declaring all these people blessed, the poor, the mourning, the merciful, blessed by God and beneficiaries of what Matthew calls the kingdom of heaven. Luke calls it the kingdom of God. So kind of the same thing. But it's that first line that really stands out to me. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And, and really going really deeper, there's two words out of that that stand out to me. Blessed and poor. So blessed refers to someone who is well off because of their wealth, their power, or their position of influence. We might say they were uh, a used a common phrase we'd say today is someone who's too blessed to be stressed. You've probably heard that before, right? Someone who's blessed was too blessed to be stressed because they had so much going on in their life for good. Perhaps unsurprisingly, though, not everyone was considered blessed in Jesus' time frame, in his time. The rich were blessed, um, the religious people were blessed, the king was blessed. And that was about it. The poor, the, the, the broken, they were not blessed. Poor people especially were not considered blessed. And what's interesting is the word poor here literally means beggar, 
or destitute or mendicant, to use a big word. So literally, these, Jesus was saying that these, these people were, we might say, spiritual beggars. They were poor in the spirit. They were spiritual beggars. They were not rich. They were not powerful. And they were definitely not considered religious enough. But Jesus was saying that there was this, in his mind, in God's ways, there is this whole reversal of things. In God's kingdom, the, the spiritual beggars, the gentile, the peacemakers, these are the ones who are blessed. And again, this was, this was so radical because in that time, these, the, the poor people, the, the gentle, the peacemakers, these were, if anything, considered to be cursed. But Jesus flips the script and he says that spiritual beggars are blessed. Those considered not spiritual enough are enough. These look down upon, have nothing to worry about. Jesus says, in God's eyes, these are the ones who are blessed. That was pretty radical. You know, if you're here today and you've ever felt like you're not good enough, if you've ever been told you're not spiritual enough, if the message you've heard from church again and again is that you're not enough, I want you to forget all that. Forget it. Because that's what Jesus says. Stop thinking that. You are spiritual enough, and more, you are blessed. Blessed means you have nothing to worry about. God says the spiritual beggars, they are blessed. They have nothing to worry about. Like I said, you know, I went like 10 years without praying. And I don't know if it was that, that, just that conversation with my friend or just kind of this accumulated, this accumulated effect of feeling like I wasn't good enough. I wasn't doing it right. That the, since I wasn't doing it right, there was no point in doing it all together. That was, that was until this, this scripture verse kind of hit me in a new way. Romans 8, 26, 27 says, Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside of us, helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in us and for us, making prayers out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. Hear that again. The moment you feel like you're not good enough, the moment you feel like you're not spiritual enough, the moment you feel like you're a spiritual beggar, God is there for you, praying with you, alongside you, even if you don't know what to say. It doesn't matter. God prays for us, making sense out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. God knows us far better than we know ourselves and says that we are blessed. <laughs> you know, in the last few years, uh, I've tried to get back into the habit of prayer. So more often than not, these are what my prayers are like. God, God, oh. God, I don't know. But this is the message from God. This is the message from Jesus that 
God, God's Spirit prays for us, prays with us, even in those groans, even those aches, and says, you're enough. So when you're feeling exhausted from your day, when you're overwhelmed by your struggles, when you're feeling spiritually lacking, God's Spirit hears you and prays with you. And not only does God hear our prayers, God calls you blessed. So please know this morning, you are enough. You are spiritually enough. You are good enough. You are enough. That's good news. That's good news. I can't imagine, I can only imagine, I guess I would say, how, what a difference that would have made in my life hearing that message growing up. What a difference that would have made for us, I can imagine, if we've heard the opposite. The cool thing is, though, is we're not kind of left to wait and wonder and wish, what would that be like if we could hear that good news? We can do something about it. We together as Mission Gathering Christian Church are a place, and we're creating a place where people are affirmed and reminded that God loves them as they are. So each time we're here and we volunteer, each time we invest our time, each time we invite others to come, we are helping to create a place where the good news of God's love is is shared and affirmed. I know what a difference that would have made in my life growing up. And that's why I'm passionate about this church and sharing this message because what if everyone could experience the transformative message of Jesus? What if everyone could experience this message that even if you're not spiritual enough, you're enough, you are enough, no matter where you are? I think that's what we want for everybody. So the good news is this uh, Easter is coming up in a few weeks, and there's going to be all kinds of people looking for something to do on Easter, because that's the thing, right? That's the cultural thing as you go to church. And I don't want to get too judgy here, but in a lot of the places they're going to go is they're going to be told, no, you're not enough. You haven't been here all year. You're lacking. You're not enough. Now, certainly, uh, again, there's good, good churches that people can be a part of. But I think we all know people in our lives who could use to hear that message that they are enough, that they are spiritual enough, and God loves them and blesses them, considers them blessed. So I want to encourage each one of us today, as we think about moving into the Easter season, someone in our lives we can share mission gathering about. I mean, certainly we know there's plenty of room for them, right? Plenty of room for them. As we go forward, telling them that there's a place where they can hear the good news of God's love and welcome and be reminded that that they are spiritually enough. We are enough. God calls us blessed, even when we are just a spiritual beggar. So that's some good news that I invite you to share, and I want us to take as we go from this place and share it with others.